you, you have a six month old, six month and, and, and two weeks old is radically different from six months and three weeks old. Even one week of time of floor play or tummy time can rapidly advance their strength and their skills. And with interest in food, it's, it's sort of the same thing. We want to wait until a baby expresses some interest in, in, in putting that in their mouth. And, and that's really important for two reasons. One, it really helps set up a positive dynamic in eating at the table that I'm not going to put anything in your mouth that you are not ready for, that you don't want in your mouth. And that's sort of a f- foundational trust between the caregiver and the baby. Hey mama, welcome to Tired Mom's Club with Be My Breast Friend. My name is Kristen. I am the creator of Be My Breast Friend on Instagram and BeMyBreastFriend.com. I am a mom with a four, third time exclusive pumper and CLC. Join me for the duration of your pump session, whether you're sitting in a dark room during your middle of the night pump, at work, traveling, or keeping baby occupied while you prep the next bottle. We are going to talk about all things lactation and more. Hang out with me while I share more insight behind some of my favorite pump reviews and breastfeeding products. There will also be guests. I have made friends with some of the coolest people around. We will touch on lactation education to maternal nutrition, starting your little one on solids, and sometimes just some freestyle chit-chat with my breasties. So sit back, relax, do some of that fancy hammer to trigger a letdown, and turn me up. Let's get started. All right, here we go again. And this episode is going to be one of my favorite. They're all my favorite, but this is going to be my favorite because I've been trying to track down Busy Jenny Best for gosh, I don't know, a couple months now we've been trying to make this work. So I am thrilled to have Jenny here and her and I are going to chat. Well, she's really going to teach us um, more about starting solids with your little one. And so here she is, Jenny, go ahead and give yourself your introduction and then we'll get into our little love story and then let's get into solid starts. Sounds good. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. So um, Solid Starts is a great place to go for how to introduce any food to your baby. We have an award-winning app. You can look up any food and see how to cut it and prepare it for your baby, for your baby's specific age. Um, Behind me, I'm sort of the mom-in-chief, if you will, behind me is a team of doctors, licensed uh, pediatricians, allergists, feeding therapists, swallowing specialists, lactations consultants, everything there, dietitians, and we're really um, sort of aiming to become the go-to institution for how to feed your baby real food. So here we are, Kristen, three <laughs> years later, yeah. <laughs> many children more, <laughs> still talking about the same stuff. How can I help you? Well, so um, backstory about Jenny and I. So you said three, yeah, it's like three, three or four years later. You, I remember I was still living in Chicago and you had shot out a DM and we were just trying to hook up there on a phone call. And I remember like falling asleep on my couch and then you were like, hey, is it a good time? The twins are asleep. And like my multiples were asleep as well because I was still in Chicago. I only had my two at the time. Now I'm pregnant with number five. And they were all so quiet. So I'm like, yeah, let's just do this. So like we got on the phone, started chatting and, um, and it's just, it's, you know, here we are a couple of years later. It's just so wild. And I will say like at the time we started chatting, I would say I'd probably had about 15,000 followers strong or so you had maybe like a quarter or so of that. Like we're like navigating the area together and the community and everything. And, um, and then we did a couple collaborative posts together, which was really cool, which I'll share. Um, I'll share on Instagram around the time of this launch of this podcast. And then gosh, it was like, you're like an overnight celebrity. It was you went from like five thousand followers to a hundred to five hundred thousand to a million, and now you're at like what three something, three million something. Change. 
three Holy cow. It's really wild because as, as big as the Instagram account has gotten, um, and there's, you know, like I said, a large team behind me that helps make that possible. But um, as big as the Instagram account has gotten, our, our website is serving more like 17 million people and our app is served. We have more than a million users on the app. So it's um, Instagram is just a small part in a lot of ways of what we're doing. Um, yeah around the world. It's crazy. Our web, our web person recently told me that we have, um, customers in every country of every, every single country in the entire world, including wow. Ant- like Antarctica and the democratic Republic of Congo. And I was just like, what? This is insane. So yeah, it's, um, Instagram really, I think helped us get the word out quickly and, mm-hmm. you know, look, parents and moms when they find something helpful truly helpful they'll they'll tell another one so i couldn't even stop this train if i tried at this point Kristen. <laughs> no you don't want to it's i i'm on my i'm pregnant with number five but even like my my fourth child she's about 18 19 months now i believe and when we started solid and this is my fourth time doing it with her i still reference you i always i go back to instagram always although i will admit i'll go right to the url solidstarts.com yeah. and then i yeah. have your app on my my phone as well but i always reference like as a refresh how to prepare that particular food for the baby and then i look at like i think it's um you have a, a couple key factors like um nutrition allergen yep. known allergen and stuff of okay. that sort right yeah exactly. yeah so i mean i don't care how many kids you have and how many times you've done it it's always great to have that refresh and to have somewhere <laughs> to go and find it like right at it's you know how we magically hand. forget how to do this each time the second time even third time around it's like it's, it's just sort of a parenting amnesia i think that comes with all of this yeah it is it's it's absolutely true and i just i find it just um very, I, I find I put so much trust into it and I just feel really confident in everything I always read. So I just love being able to share it. Like I be my best friend. I share it with my family and friends and it's just a really great resource. So again, thank you for being yeah. here. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so our, um, our goal here, um, for today's podcast, and as you know, you know, we keep them around 20, 30 minutes, so we're not going to, you know, keep you for the rest of the day. Although I'm sure we could, there's so much to talk about, but let's get started with like your basics of like, what t- like when is an appropriate time to start solids? Yeah, great question. And you know, there's a lot of confusion about it because it's changed so dramatically over time. So like in 1880, the average age of starting solids was 11 months of age. And in 1950, it was four weeks of age, one month old eating, you know, Gerber purees or whatever, right? So there's been a really like big change. Most recently in the last decade or so, the American Academy of Pediatrics, who and other sort of leading medical authorities have rallied around the six-month age mark, um, mostly because that is when the developmental signs of readiness tend to kind of sprout up. It's when a baby is most likely to start sitting independently they're able to hold their head up nice and strong, which is critical for preventing choking. Um, you can imagine like with that 1950, that one month old baby, you have to feed that baby in a reclined position uh, because they can't hold their head up yet. So we want to see baby able to sit, not doesn't have to be like a minute long, but you know, um, able surely to sit in the high chair with some support and, and, and not fall over to the side or fall forward, able to hold their head up nice and strong, but also able to reach out and grab that spoon from you or to reach out and grab that table food um, and to, to accurately put it in their mouth. 
The last thing that we want to look for is just the interest in doing that, right? I think when even, you know how it is, like you, you have a six month old, six month and, and, and two weeks old is radically different from six months and three weeks old. Even one week of time of floor play or tummy time can rapidly advance their strength and their skills. And with interest in food, it's, it's sort of the same thing. We want to wait until a baby expresses some interest in, in, in putting that in their mouth. And, and that's really important for two reasons. One, it really helps sets up a positive dynamic in eating at the table that I'm not going to put anything in your mouth that you are not ready for, that you don't want in your mouth. And that's sort of a foundational trust between the caregiver and the baby. But two, what we now know today through um, physiology studies and pediatric research is that when humans, whatever age they are, feed themselves, the risk of choking is lower. And it makes sense when we think about it, right? Like think about Think about like your partner just suddenly putting something in your mouth. Your brain is not quite ready to accept that, to, to take a bite and chew. But when the baby's brain says, I see that food, I'm going to reach for that food. I'm going to bring that piece of food to my mouth. I'm going to open my mouth, bite down and start chewing. And then these automatic reflexes take over to start the safe motions of chewing. And yes, baby's going to learn and fumble and make mistakes as they figure all of this out. But, um, you know, really... Really what you want to look for is the developmental signs of readiness, not an arbitrary age. But look, if you have a seven-month-old and you're not seeing any of these signs yet, baby's not sitting well, head's kind of still floppy, they're not interested in food, they're not reaching and grabbing their toys and bringing it to their mouth, um, it's a good idea to check in with your doctor and see if maybe some like occupational therapy or some other support might help um, give them a little boost along the way. Thank you. We had spoken of it um, prior to recording, and it's something that really stuck with me when we had done a live a couple of years ago now. Um, but we talked about mapping of the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So what's really fascinating is that a younger baby, their brain has not yet formed what we call a mental map of the mouth, meaning that the brain doesn't really know where food is on the tongue yet. And, and this is actually what happens when you see babies who gag a lot. Parents might often think, oh, I have to go back to purees or I have to revert back to spoon feeding. They're not ready for chewable food yet, or they're not ready for finger food yet. Actually, it's quite the converse. Typically, it means that the, the tongue, the mouth has not yet had enough sensory pressure or sensory input for the brain to go, ah, I feel that piece of carrot and it's over there. I'm going to move it to the side for chewing. So what we really want to do is um, introduce foods that provide a lot of pressure and input to the tongue. So baby's brain can start to learn through these really repetitive experiences. Oh, when that, that, that pressure point on that tongue is, is that, which is to say like, if you were to eat a hard boiled egg and take a bite and let's say there's a piece of shell still on that egg, your brain be like, oh, there's shell in my mouth. I'm going to spit it out. And almost without even thinking, your tongue would do the motions and articulate it and, and push it out, right? A baby's brain is just not there yet. So we need to put, we want to choose foods that put a lot of sensory input and that's easy for them to self-feed because we know that self-feeding is not only safer, but advances these skills more rapidly. So our feeding therapists and our infant swallowing specialists on the team love what they call food teethers as some of the very first foods for babies 
And these are great for babies who gag a lot, but they're also really great for nervous parents as I was back in the day because these are unbreakable foods that won't, they can't take a bite off. It won't break off in their mouth unexpectedly, but they have the added advantage of being um, really easy to hold to self-feed and advanced skills like jaw strength and chewing and munching really rapidly. So some of our very, very favorite first foods are like the inner seed of a mango, like the pit of a mango. You can leave a little bit of fruit on it, maybe cut some divots in it so it's easy to hold. And I'm telling you, you'll have the most quiet, wonderful 15 minutes of your life you've ever not had <laughs> because maybe you'll be so happy munching on it. It's kind of like a dog with a favorite bone, to be honest. They can't break it off. They can't bite through it, but boy, they're just so happy sitting there like munching on it. So a mango pit. This episode is brought to us by Series Chill. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again. I have successfully used a Series Chill while at the races on the hottest day of the year, in transit every day while working in the office, or while taking a quick trip to Target during a pump session. No prep, no cords, no batteries needed. And when you're done breastfeeding, switch it up for a water bottle or steep your hot tea. Rest assured, these chillers are TSA-friendly, support direct pumping, and bottle feeding too. They're also FSA and HSA reimbursable. Head over to serieschill.com or check out Series Chill on Instagram for more details and use the code BEMYBREASTFRIEND15 for 15% off your order of chillers, nipple shields, and more corn on the cob. You can even cut all the kernels off if the kernels make you nervous. And you can even use the corn cob, dip it in hummus or puree um, as like a utensil so they can munch and suck. So they're, they're biting down and gnawing on that stick of food, which is strengthening their jaws triggering up the chewing reflexes to teach baby's brain and body how to do all of this, but in a really safe, low risk way. So of course, you know, um, we love the early introduction of finger food and we'd love to see parents go right to that as soon as they're ready. Um, there is no developmental need or evidence or research for the necessity of, you know, a gradually increased thickness of food. There's, there's no need to go from puree or pouches to regular food. Babies can actually eat the food you eat if modified and in some ways and you know folks can use our app for how to figure out how to how to cut that lasagna or how to you know tear off that piece of bread in a in a, in a low risk and safe way for your baby but um yeah i think what we really want to look for are foods that are easy for baby to hold ideally densely nutritious high in iron and uh, things that will help that brain form the mental map of the mouth i hope that's not like too geeky in the neurobiology no. of here for you. I can't. Um, I, I. I can't even believe myself speaking because I'm like, man, you sound like a geek these days. <laughs> no, <laughs> My, but it's our, our occupational therapists like to joke that I, I'm their little graduate because I was just sort of a student sucking up all of this information because it was blowing my mind because just so opposite of everything that I was told and had learned about. I you think know, it's fascinating. And you, ever, you want the facts, quite honestly, right? You want to hear. You want to hear like you know, the nuts and bolts of what's going on, not just like the fluff of what you can or should be doing. And I'm, I'm about to say something that might get me in hot water. I don't know. Um, <laughs> correct me, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm just, I'm thinking about what you had said about not needing to um, gradually increase thickness or like density of foods um, or like go from purees to more solid to solid foods. And I think about, I think about the pouches and I think that's maybe what triggered this idea. So, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not mom yeah. shaming, I'm not parent shaving. All, um, all convenience products have a role in our life. There's no guilt. 
Yeah, and I'm 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 very guilty of it. Um, but I do think about this too. Mom guilt. <laughs> Let I, it go. I, my concern is if you've got baby sucking on, you know, latched to the breast or sucking on a bottle and feeding, and then moving into pouches and not really like moving into something that's more structured and able to map. Baby really only knows how to suck swallow. So my concern is giving them something that they aren't familiar with, a, a texture or a material. And, and then increasing up a thousand percent correct. One of the fallacies of the invention of commercial baby food is that these stage one, stage two, stage three increasing, you know, gradual increase of thickness would teach baby to chew when it's actually completely the other way around. So purees, whether delivered on a spoon or in a pouch, are sucked to swallow. You're hundred percent correct. And they're just babies just furthering the sucking pattern that they know. That dominant sucking pattern is the only one they know. But the whole purpose of starting solids is to transition baby from a hundred percent liquid diet to that a chewable one. And so if we're teaching our children that solid food should be sucked to swallow, not only are we um, kind of kicking the can down the road on the skills that they need to learn to eat safely, um, you know, biting, tearing, chewing, moving food around the mouth, even spitting, right? Oh, that's too big. I need to spit it out. Um, so we're kind of kicking the can down the road on that. Um, but also you are correct. The, the purees and even semi-lumpy purees will be sucked to swallow, which is why, you know, one of the reasons I get so kind of passionate and uh, riled up about a lot of this is because I think the the last hundred years of of marketing of advertising from baby food corporations and and probably not it was probably unintended consequences truthfully when I think about it I don't think there was any nefarious intention there um, but it was wholly wrong so you would see advertisements that say like Bobby has sprouted his front two teeth and so now he can have you know Heinz stage three beef and noodles, when that's actually not true. First of all, we don't chew with our front bunny teeth. We chew with our molars. And for many kids, those don't come in until 15, 16, 17 months of age. And that's just one molar. But also that in large, just like, <laughs> just like grandma without her dentures, most humans can actually break down most foods um, without the, the grinding of teeth. And you can actually grind with even just your gums. So if we modified foods to make them appropriate for baby's age and ability, um, teeth are actually irrelevant, as crazy as it sounds. They're, they're really not necessary. Um, and so we've got a lot of fallacies from the last hundred years of marketing and advertising for, you know, the goal was to sell as much baby food as possible and to keep your child on that product for as long as possible. And as much as that riles me up because it's, it not only prolongs the skills they need to learn to eat, it actually increases the risk of choking later on down the road. So one of, one of the beautiful things about the six to eight month age range in a child and a baby is that there, there are a couple of things going on that make that kind of a magic window for learning how to eat 
chewable food. First, your body's, baby's body's protective mechanisms against choking are kind of at their all-time high. They're very easily triggered. Like the baby's body really has your back at that that window. The There's four protective uh, reflexes against choking. They're automatic. Your baby doesn't have to learn them. They really have your back. But some of those reflexes start to fade or integrate with age. And so if you think to yourself, well, I'm just going to wait for my baby to get older. I'm going to wait till they're 13 months old to do chewable food because you know age and maturity will make it safer. It's actually the opposite is true um, because by that 12-month mark, the gag reflex in particular is less um, easily triggered. It's further back in the mouth. For, for a baby, the gag reflex is really far forward on the tongue. Anything that gets in that first third area of the tongue is going to uh, prompt that gag reflex. And gagging is good, everyone. Gagging is good. Write it a million times on the chalkboard until you believe it. Gagging is good. It's your baby's uh, body's way of just going, oop, I'm not familiar with this food and it got a little too far back. So I'm going to thrust that forward so baby can work with it a little bit more before I swallow it or, or to spit it out, right? Gagging is good. The other thing that's happening in this magic window of six to eight months of age is that your baby's body has reflexes to help them learn how to chew and manage food in the mouth. And these reflexes, these chewing reflexes start to fade with age. So it's kind of like the perfect window of time to make mistakes, if that makes sense. And it's totally counterintuitive to everything we were told and learned and saw in magazines and, you know, uh, what our parents did and what mother-in-law is telling you. Um, but the, the reality is, is that um, babies are wired to learn how to chew from six to eight months of age. Their body is absolutely ready to protect them from choking. And, and I just want to share one more thing, Kristen, now that you've got me going. Um, I don't know if you ever saw headlines like choking is the leading cause of death in uh, babies and children. It's inaccurate. It's not true. It couldn't be further from the truth. The reason why these headlines um, got out there in the first place is because of the way that CDC, the US CDC, categorizes the data is really confusing. And if you don't really know these categories, it's easy to go, oh, that's like number four in deaths, but it's really number like 17 in the category of accidental deaths. And the overall accidental deaths is a much lower percentage. The, the, the incidence of dying from choking under age four is less than 1%. It's close to a half of percent. And oh, by the way, half of those incidents weren't even food. So like the likelihood of choking on food under age four is less, is close to a half of percent. It's really not, you should be far, far more concerned about safe sleep practices, you know, SIDS and suffocation, things like that, um, drowning and and car accidents. Um, So yeah, sorry for that very like, down um <laughs> serious oh. <laughs> your question <laughs> oh no all the information is all valuable you know and and it's nice to hear things broken down because i see that on lactation side too you know you see stats and you're like well that's not really relevant for xyz reasons when you really start to break yeah. things down you know yeah. so my, my hope with like sharing kind of breaking through the ice here and sharing the data sharing the evidence sharing correcting the myths of of the last century is really that parents will go 
oh, I can trust myself. It's going to be fine. I can trust myself and I can trust my baby because we really were designed to, to eat as human beings and to learn all of that. Baby, baby knows when they're hungry and knows when they're full from day one. Typically healthy developing babies will know when they're hungry. They'll let you know (laughs) and they'll let you know when they're full as well. And we can trust that. And just like any any kind of advertising, I guess it doesn't matter which category we're talking about, but advertising is just the is the kiss of death. It's just what like fear mongers all of us. And yes. you know, and, and we fall into those traps all too often. And well, I have to send you my favorite vintage ad, and I won't name the company because <laughs> I'm sure I'm already in hot water with them. Um, but it said it's a nineteen eighty five ad. It goes, What's better than breastfeeding? And it says breastfeeding and bleep company name pairs and it was just like so overt you know so overt but yeah the you know the the advertisements really preyed on maternal guilt they preyed on your worries that are you going to produce enough milk for your baby probably not so you need to do this formula you need to do this um you need to do solids early it's um it's pretty dark if you look back actually it's pretty dark i now collect them because i'm just like mind blown by how anyone thought that was okay you see advertisements like come out of the kitchen mother you need to be charming again for your husband so buy this baby food so you'll be charming again right um two advertisements like whoa girl that's too much too much of a good thing for an infant girl too much food, honey. Got really? For an infant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So this Such stuff, our world. worries, our worries, our anxieties, all of that is wrapped up in a very kind of complex web of history that in our parents' heads, they don't even realize where all that information came from. But really back in, Kristen, I'm going, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> no, 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 this is, all, it's very interesting. And I, and I know that you have a couple pieces of content um, throughout Instagram that I can link back just for examples, if anyone's like, I want to see that, because I know you have it. I've seen it myself, not everyone you're referring to, but I have seen a few. So um, I'm going to load up story, the story notes with a whole bunch of great resources from you too, that we've like referenced and, um, you know, just anything I can from you, uh, just to like, dial it in. And then um, I guess like the last, we'll make this, I guess, semi quick here as quick as we can. Um, which, what would you name with like a cup first couple top food choices you would suggest starting with? Sorry, tongue tied. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, in some ways I'd, I'd put you on either extreme of like thickness. So really like hard, unbreakable food teethers, like we talked about, like the mango pit or the corn on the cob with all the kernels um, shaved off, a chicken drumstick bone, which is a little bit of chicken left on the end, no skin, you know, no, no sharp bones. Um, and you can even use those as vehicles to dip into mashes or iron-rich, um, you know, bean puree or things like that uh, to your comfort. But those are just really fantastic for teaching babies to feed themselves and for mapping the mouth and advancing the skills needed for chewing. And then on the other perspective, you know, the um, the mashes and purees, you can finger paint with those, like put them in a bowl, let your baby kind of hand scoop and put the fingers in their mouth. Having them put their fingers in their mouth is actually a very, very good thing. It also helps make a mental map of the mouth. So um, if you want to do a spoon, you can um, just uh, preload the spoon, hand it over in the air, stop before you get to baby's mouth, let baby grab onto that and reach and pull it in so that their brain is ready to eat and to accept that food. Um, But 
what my my personal favorite is if I were to do this all over again which will not be happening but if uh-huh. I were I would probably do like steamed broccoli offered the, the uh, nice big floret offered upside down so the stem was sticking up so baby could kind of claw onto that stem and then pick it up and munch the little florets I'd probably do a uh, a mango pit for sure a corn on the cob for sure I'd probably do some chicken drumstick bones with just a little bit of meat left on it um and honestly I'd probably do something like a rib or steak on the bone and it's up to you as to how much meat you want to leave on there but the bone in and of itself is just enormously valuable for helping baby poke around the mouth and figure out how all this stuff works that's one thing that you said that I, I definitely took from you um, was I have, and I'll, I'll tag them in the um, story notes. I'll, I'll link them, but I forget what they're called. Oogle, Oogle utensils or some or other. And it's, um, it's like a spoon and it's cut out. So you num can, num. Like, is that what they're called? Num num. Yeah. Okay. Num num utensil. It's like a flathead spoon with the holes yeah. in it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, I would, I did that often with like um, banana and sponsored by num num. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) They just are really, they're actually, it helps them be successful either way. Another tip for any utensil that you're using is uh, preload, like put a little bit of food on the spoon part that you'd normally do, but also do it on the handle. You know, it's funny, like these, these utensils in our lives, like they're, they're arbitrary. They were made up, they were invented like babies, like doesn't care what end it is. So help them be successful. Almost think of it like a rattle. You want kind of like the, the, each, each part of it sticking out of baby's fist to have some food on it. So either which way they're successful and that will help them want to come to the meal when they feel a little more successful. Now, you know, your next product, you just got to create that <laughs> like, double rattle spoon utensil. And, and, and I think most importantly is putting it in, like you said, put it in front of them and let them reach and bring it to that, yes. their mouth. And that's something that I'm, you know, I mean, if you have any, if you have any recollection of our live, you had said, let's get you up to speed so we don't have to puree your first baby, your first baby. <laughs> Cause it's very accurate. I was terrified. I hate starting solids. Um, but bringing the spoon or bringing that preloaded utensil to their face was always like, that was something again that you had said that I always just waited for them to like, you know, take it from me. And then they were on their own. There's two benefits to that. There's the, it decreases the risk of choking because the brain is ready to accept that food and to initiate the reflexes to chew and munch that food. But also the amazing benefit of baby choosing that. I think, you know, look, talk to any seasoned parent of any age child, whether it's a three-month-old baby, a six-month-old baby, or a four-year-old toddler throwing a tantrum. Choice is really important. You know, I think that babies, kids, they don't have a lot they can control in their lives. And when they when they can control food and what goes into their mouth and how and how fast um, and also honoring the cues of when they're done, that's going to set up a, a lifetime dynamic of a positive relationship with you at the table and with their food that is like, what's that MasterCard commercial? Like it's priceless, right? Like you can't, you, yeah. you can't just teach that one day, right? That yeah. starts from the beginning. And I would imagine it's, um, 
it's, it's also kind of like responsive feeding with a bottle, right? You just pumped all this milk, but you might feel like baby should have to drink all that milk because you work so hard to get it out and to put it in, say it's four ounces. But what if baby's full at three and a half? They don't really have to have that last sip. So honoring their baby's cues, letting them reach for the spoon, hugely important when we talk about the kind of parents I think that we want to be and the relationship with food that we want our kids to have. That's awesome. I think that's it. That's like, that's the best way to wrap this up. All right. <laughs> Thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I love talking to you and I love doing this with you. It's always, that's a, my, we're, I'll be doing it again in a few months, you know. I about know. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I'll be referencing this. I'll be referencing. Well, I am getting a puppy. Oh, oh we're God. getting a puppy. It was born a couple of days ago. Really? Yes. I'll, I'll be doing potty training again, at least. <laughs> These are more work. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, good luck to you. Thank you, <laughs> and to you, my friend. You yeah. know where to call us if you need me to talk to you off the ledge. <laughs> Four legs for you, two legs for me. Hey, don't feel guilty for those pouches. Like convenience food has a role in our life. This is hard, right? It's yeah, just yeah. like you just don't want to only do that. That's the yeah. point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jenny, thank you again. And maybe I, I know you're a busy woman. You've got a wall oil machine that you're constantly caring <laughs> for, but I'd love to do this again if we ever can find hey, the time. Yeah, no, always happy to. Right. Love, Thanks, Jenny. Love hanging out with you, Kristen. Take thank care. Thank you. Thank you.